Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Biz Dads. It's been a minute. We are glad to be back. We've had a busy couple of weeks in the Sendate, Olecki, and Gaskins household. We are back for another great show. Can't wait to jump into it with you guys. This week we're going to talk about the election. Haven't covered that, but it still continues. We've got uh, sports ending in the fall for the kids. Ann and I will probably fight over COVID. Andres, you can join in. We're going to talk a lot about the difference in how our generations are handling it. We've got some good sports biz news. A new segment for you called The Adult Dilemma. How are you going to handle the housing market? A Parenting 101, Andres comes strong with the different types of parenting styles. We've got a Millennial Minute, Producer Twist comes strong. And then we've got Books with Andres and a Final Four. What are you going to miss about the holidays? Coming at you this week's Biz Dads. All right, before I start yelling at Ann, let's get a couple things out of the way, Andres. One, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. We dodged what would have been a big, big parenting fail. We reorganized my office, and I give all the credit to my wife. We moved a uh, a big desk upstairs, three flights of stairs, and I don't think we damaged too much of uh, the railing and the walls coming in. And the near parenting fail is, yeah, we took the kids fishing yesterday at a local friend's little neighborhood lake. You know how we have some of those around town. Everything's going great. And all of a sudden, Renzo, my middle one, just goes head first into the lake. Goes totally underwater, somersaults underwater, comes up, bug eyes. He's so startled. Of course, the dad grabbed him and pulled him up out of the water, but made me nervous for the for a second there. He's good. Everybody's fine. He's uh, just, a, just a little uh, little pride hurt, or uh, you think he's going to be okay going next to the water again? No, he's he's fine. But I asked him if he wanted to talk about it at dinner, and uh, he he didn't want to he didn't want to relive it. We did catch a lot of fish, fortunately, but man, it scared me. Remember, kids, if you're near the water. And you are not a great swimmer. Wear a life vest and be with an adult. There you go. Well, there's he can go. Okay, he can go uh, catfish, okie noodling next time he falls in. Teach him that way. How was your weekend? It was good, man. We uh, had a two-day baseball tournament to wrap up the season. We uh, we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk about your first. I think because we started to record and then we had a power outage last week. We didn't get to talk about your first foray into travel baseball, which we'll have to. Uh, Maybe wait till the spring and get a, get your insight on that again. Get you guys back out to a tournament. But the uh, you know, two day tournaments are a lot more intense. You're there both days at the ballpark. You don't get anything else done really. We did have a friendsgiving over at our friends Shane and Beth's. They smoked their first turkey on a big green A. It was very very good, and the boys got to play. But uh, it was the first time we ever went somewhere as a family, and Ben was like old enough and too cool. He wanted to go hang out with his buddies. So we, just Margaret Ann and Andrew and I, went over to our friend Shane and Beth's and had dinner. And it was great because Andrew got his one-on-one time. And we had, uh, you know, Ben hung out with his buddies. We went to pick him up about 8.30. And then another first for us, Friday night, we had a father-son and mother-son kind of separate date night. Margaret Ann took Andrew, and they went up to her parents' house who were out of town and they had a date night. And then Ben and I hung out and had a guy's night. He had practice on Friday. And then we went and he wanted to get wings. So we had wings and I had um, 
I'm on a diet here, so I was being very well behaved. And uh, he got ice cream and watched funny movies and went to bed. I mean, he slept in Margaret Ann's spot. So it was a kind of a fun night. And Andrew was just awesome because he got one-on-one time. It's amazing how much different the kids are when they're solo. I don't know if you see that or not. No, we do, for sure. Well, I've taken Frankie to a couple of the the daddy-daughter dances, and those are always a huge highlight. And yeah, Heidi's done a couple of, well, she's had a lot of one-on-one time with our youngest because he's, he's home since his school's shut down due to COVID. But no, that's that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, they need it. I mean, I, the boys are so competitive with one each other, so competitive for the spotlight. When you get them out, it was really neat to just have kind of that, that one-on-one time. So I recommend it for all you dads out there. Yeah, for sure. So we had the election come and go or come and stay, I guess. It hasn't gone anywhere. So we're still into it. Georgia just found another 2,000, there's like 2,400 votes or something like that. Did you see this? I did see that news report in Northwest Georgia. They found 2,600, typically uh, in a county that typically votes pretty Republican. Yeah, there were uh, about an 800 vote swing for Trump out of the 2,600 because it was like 16 to 800, 1,600, 800, something like that. And uh, yeah, they're all calling for the head of the guy who forgot to download the memory stick on one of the voting machines. So it's crazy. This whole thing, I'm just so over it. Um, it's hard not to talk about because it's everywhere. But you know, now we're going to have $200 million piped into our advertising market here as the entire world watches to see who wins these Senate races. Uh, it's just crazy, man. So that's enough election talk. But <laughs> Brad's officially cut us off from talking politics. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so over it, man. Please feel free to take the mic and run with it. But I am just so over talking about this. And everybody's got an opinion. No, I mean, look, I, I don't watch it day to day. Um, I usually try to catch up with the news at the end of the day. And, you know, when you catch up at the end of the day, there's just a smattering of headlines and who's come out and made comments and what what do the tweets say? I guess my my takeaway is I just I think about a lot of the people who did their first vote, you know, those people that turned 18. And then I think about a lot of the people who, you know, became citizens and earned the right to vote. And I I can't help but wonder, like, what are these people thinking, you know, whether or not their vote has officially been tabulated or counted? It sounds like Georgia's making good progress on their recount, which, I mean, kudos to these folks. I don't know if they're working around the clock, but I guess they have to have the recount done by Wednesday. So I just, you know, hopefully they'll get that done. And Yeah, it looks like all the counties have to be done by Wednesday, and then the state ratifies everything, I guess, by Friday. So maybe yeah. by uh, next week we're out of it. You know, through all this, there's been obviously a huge resurgence in COVID the last three, four weeks. And, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of news and attention paid to it. But I have noticed around my office the last three or four days, there's a lot more attention being paid to it. Like, where are people going and what are they doing? And um, I read a couple of news articles today about, you know, companies because the traffic in Atlanta has definitely picked up. And so that to me means if it's around commuting hours, that means people are going to work or they're out and about a lot more. So curious, like why the cases have spiked so hard. But I guess when you think about it, people are moving indoors. People are out and about more. Some people are going on trips with their friends to North Carolina. So I don't know. Have you guys changed your routines up at all, Brad, in the last few weeks? We're being more careful. 
you know, we're spending, I think, more time, like, for example, four or five months ago, we were at a ballpark. I wouldn't have walked into a bathroom wearing a mask or walked closer to the concessions than wearing a mask. Now I am, you know, and I think we're just trying to be smarter about it uh, while not letting our lives get too altered. But definitely, you know, both my parents, my parents and my in-laws spent the weekend in a casino. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um so my folks, you know, jarted down to Mississippi. Her folks went up to to North Carolina, and it's like, man, I'm, I think they were all safe, and they talked about how clean everything was. But it's amazing. It's it's like the the generations around us, Andres, just don't give any f's. What an incredible segue into our next topic. Producer Twist, how are you? I'm doing terrific, healthy, and Good. excited. Good, you're healthy, you're recovered. What did you do this weekend? I had a girls' reunion in Asheville. Hmm. Girls' reunion. How many girls? There was just 10 of us, but yep. whenever we went out, we wore masks. We were very careful, but in the house, we didn't. But this is my thought on it. All of us are all very good at quarantine. Like we get it, and we all quarantine. None of us give it to anyone. Like We're all good about quarantining. So I think our generation doesn't care about getting it because then we're like, okay, we got to quarantine. That's but not- Come on, no, no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I can't let you go. You can't <laughs> say we're great at healing, so we're not. We're okay catching it. Come on, like the whole point. But the numbers are going up, but we're not spreading it to anyone. The numbers are going up because you're all together. Because when you walk into Buckhead and you drive around Buckhead, there's people who don't give a shit. And I'm telling you, you like it's amazing to see the obituary section in the paper in Minneapolis today was 10 and a half pages long because they're, it's so it's spiking so rapidly that like Iowa where height, where Andres's wife is from skyrocketing. And here I am freaking out because I'm going to have to have my kids at home um, after Thanksgiving, because right now they're looking, Cobb County schools are looking at bringing everything back virtual. And you know why? Because the number of cases for, per 100,000 people have gone back up to 2,000. And you know why? Because nobody cares about getting it. Yeah, that's the problem. That, I definitely hear you on that. But I also don't want to not live my life. But I'm doing it carefully. But I also don't want to be miserable and waste my youth years. I don't want you to waste your youth years either. But I also don't think like you can be smarter than going to a party one night with a bunch of people, then going on a girls weekend, then going back to another party with a bunch of people, and then, oh, go hit in this bar, because we all figure, let's go party at the Ivy. It's going to be sweet. And next thing you know, there's 2,001 cases per 100,000 people. My kid has to learn from home. It makes me feel better. I do think that bars should be shut down. Like, I have not been going to bars. Like, I guess I went to a brewery this weekend, but I have not been going to indoor bars like i think all like indoor bars like that shouldn't be open but if they're spaced out well we were in Asheville, like the most liberal place in the world and every mask like it was the most masked up place I've ever been all the tables are six feet apart so if it's like that i don't see a problem yeah but everybody thinks that just because you're wearing a mask everything is great those masks don't stop anything you're wearing a t-shirt over your face there's no if everybody was walking around in n95 medically cleared masks then yeah but the fact that you're saying it's only 5%, if you're not wearing them, if you're wearing a mask and I'm wearing a mask, it's only 5%, great. But dude, every single time you adjust your mask, every time you touch another beer glass, every time you you walk into another person you don't know, 
you you may say that the 10 of you were safe, but then you ran into another 100 people over the course of the night and continue to go back and forth. And it's just the shuffling of it. It's absolutely maddening to me. And I'm not even someone who freaks out about this thing. But it is madding, maddening to me how we have continued to show how selfish we are as a society, not just your generation, but everyone, how selfish we are as a society, because nobody cares about anybody. Everyone has an excuse. And if I had to categorize the gen, the Gen Zers, I guess you're a Gen Z slash millennial. You're a zillennial. You're a zillennial. <laughs> you probably, well, while you guys have all of these things that make you like not selfish, you care about the planet and you, you're very attuned to kind of what's going on in the world around you. You're, you're the, the, yeah, but yeah, like we, yeah, I mean, we have, we did go to a bar, we didn't go to any bars, but yeah, we did go to that one. It's like, it's always an exception. There's always something. So anyway, you got me all worked up and I was so mad today at Ann on the phone in our staff meeting that I literally had to get off the phone because I'm like, I'm going to yell at her. I'm going to say something mean and it has nothing to do with her, but it's, I'm angry about this situation and I'm just going to move on. So I decided to cut the meeting short and move on. And now that we're talking about it again on the podcast, I'm equally as worked up. So maybe we need to pause the podcast and just never do this again. <laughs> Andres, what say you? I'll stop going out. Yeah, I work with some younger professionals and there's definitely a, I guess a different, um, there's definitely a different, I guess, whole approach. I mean, the idea that you'll go, like going out to eat and riding in the car together. And there's just this implicit trust, I guess. And maybe as you get older, you become less trusting, um, which I guess makes sense. Um, you've maybe seen a little bit more, gotten a little hardened, gotten a little more um, grumpier. But uh, yeah, that's true. It's, it is, when I watch them at work, it is very clear that there's just a, there's just such a difference between you know, folks um, in that in that younger demographic. I mean, and uh, I, I don't know that there's a correlation between, you know, them, their age, this age group and what we've seen in terms of cases. But I traveled last week and man, I was definitely I mean, I, I was in I was in North Carolina and then I was in Tennessee. And I mean, I tried to be extremely vigilant, but, you know, without a doubt, like the folks that I noticed that were not wearing masks or that were huddled close together or were socializing close together, it was generally like teenagers and people that looked like they were under 30, not picking on them, but it's, uh, it's just a different, they have a different approach, different we're mindset. About scared because we know it's not going to hurt us as much. So that's why we're being, yeah. we're invincible. I'm 10 feet tall and both because I'm not 30 yet. Oh God, I hope my kids because I look, I was that way too. I'm I'm not gonna say that I wasn't. I was that way too. But now that I'm older, like it's just amazing to me that people haven't gathered that this is not about them and that it is time to just this would all go away if we just followed the rules for like three weeks. Everyone can live without seeing someone. Or having beer, or going on a girls' weekend, even playing baseball for three weeks. Like I'm not saying I'm I'm innocent because we've done plenty of baseball, and we haven't had any issues with our team. But who knows where where else it may have spread if we had a bunch of asymptomatic people? 
I just it's just driving me absolutely nuts because I, and it didn't it didn't matter to me before they started talking about the fact they're pulling kids they're gonna potentially bring kids back virtually again and we all know how that went for us the first two weeks of the year so yeah I'm be scared if they do my I'll <laughs> we'll have to cancel all staff meetings for that three week period Margaret Ann's already counted down she's like it's twelve school days it's it's four days a week for three weeks before the Christmas break anyway enough talk about that enough me being angry i don't blame you Anne. but be a leader amongst your group all right let's jump into it this week's sports and biz news all right andres your world the stock market soaring crazy moderna 94 percent as if like hey pfizer hold my beer i got a 94 percent effective that maybe out as early as december doesn't need to be kept at the same temperatures can be shipped in regular coolers so the stock market decided to go whoop, like up over 29 right yeah this is i think this is all based on news i mean when you obviously when you dig into the announcement from moderna there's lots of lots of stuff to unpack there but uh, but yeah no i mean look the the news is the news is good news it's better to have two potential vaccines than than one and one is better than none so i think to the extent that uh over the next you know few weeks as the fda starts reviewing i guess these applications um i'd expect that the market will continue to to react positively all right here's um i also think that the market is starting to digest you know the outcome of the election and starting to sort of think you know ahead as to what what a potential uh, scenario looks like beginning in January. Given the uncertainty of where we're at, I think the market's already sort of priced in what they think. All right, here's a situation for you. Had I had this conversation over the weekend with another family. Things are booming right now. You've got 10 years to go before retirement. Do you cash out of the stock market, sit on that cash, and not ride the inevitable wave over the next 10 years? With the risk, their thought is the risk being if it goes down so low and I lose not 50% like everyone did in, you know, seven, eight, nine, but you lose 25, 30%, it doesn't recover in time over the next 10 years. What do you do, Andres? What do you Well, do? I mean, my first question always in that type of scenario is, are you planning to die in 10 years or are you planning to retire in 10 years? Because if you're, if, if you're retiring at age, call it 50, the average life expectancy for a male in the U.S. is getting close to what, 80? 80, yeah. So you got 30 so years. You've got, I mean, you've got 40 years, um, right, from today, 30 potentially in retirement. So I always look at it from the standpoint of the, you know, what's the amount of time your 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 money could compound? And that's a long time to be cashed out, I guess, sitting in wherever you're going to put your money, cash, the bond market, earning nothing. It's all about diversification, Brett. You know that. So you're not a fan. I got it. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, I think you've got to sit there and ride. I don't know if you go, I mean, look, I don't know if you go all in. Uh, I, I know that a lot of people sat out this last 10 years because of what happened in 08 and they didn't want it to happen again. And so they sold at the absolute worst time at the bottom of the market. And then they missed the recovery that ensued starting in 09. The plus plus recovery, right? I mean, it came back bigger and better. And then you saw a lot of people, 
you know, probably not a probably not make the smartest move, but the emotional move when the market sold off in March after COVID, you saw a lot of people bail. And then look what's happened, right? Since, you know, since March. So it's uh yeah, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart, but I don't know, so much so much goes into it. It's hard to say generally for one scenario, but I mean, given my age and your age, I don't know the age of the other family you're talking about, but I could see taking some profits and taking some chips off the table. But, you know, depending on when you bought in, you're going to be paying taxes. And then you've got, you know, the question of where are you putting that money? If it's just going to sit in cash and then with potential for inflation, it could actually cost you something doing that. So, well, you know, I don't know. I think um, I, I would not be cashing out. I think your point of taking some chips off the table, maybe this group is a little older than us, but still nowhere, nowhere to the point of death or retiring. And if they want to take a little bit out in order to see what the first 10 years of retirement looks like, I get it. But you still have 20 more years to go. Let the market do its thing. Anyway, we'll keep you posted on what happens there. <laughs> um, some interesting news today in the world of basketball. March Madness decided that basically going to build a bubble around Indianapolis. No more regionals. Everything's going to be played in one town. So, and I think that's going to be Indianapolis, what I heard, because that's where the Final Four is going to be. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're bringing all those people into one town. You're, they still want to have fans in. The whole point is to try to get fans in the stands. Oh. Does that really do any good? Who knows? But, you know, it's an interesting model. And well, it, I got it's a, just like March Madness basketball. I'm all in. Yeah, I got a I got an email from the University of Kansas Athletic Department. They were trying to sell fan cutouts, which I'm sure teams all over the country are doing right now to try to raise a little bit of money. So I think for 80 bucks, you can send in a photograph. It, you know, they they basically say, you know, there's no promise of where we're going to put it. Um but, but I'm sure there's going to be, you know, a bunch of people jumping on that and then I guess you can go pick it up after the end of the year. So I don't know. It's going to be weird with Allen Fieldhouse. It's a, it's an old gym, kind of like Cameron Indoor and some of these old arenas. It's uh, it's probably the worst possible arena for for COVID, given that there's no air conditioning and uh, it's just an old old musty place. But it's going to be weird. I mean, the the Jayhawks have always played really well at home, and and I wonder what it's going to be like record wise for these teams that have always had a really good home court advantage. If that's going to change at all given there's not going to be fans in the, in the stands. But I'm, I'm glad that they've come up with a plan for March Madness. It'll be fun. And it'll change three or four times before it's all said and done. So no reason for a parade just yet. Let's <laughs> hope we have it. Uh, a big weekend at Augusta National. I don't know if you watched any of the Masters, but we were totally tuned in. Thank God for technology and Mr. Cook's iPad. I was able to... Uh, watch most of the Masters coverage while also watching nine-year-old baseball. And it was kind of cool to, you know, all the dads were interested. Um, we were, you know, keeping a close eye on what was going on. But DJ, Dustin Johnson, just completely ran away with it. It wasn't even close. Five-stroke five stroke lead. I think the all-time 72-hole record just completely crushed it at, uh, at 72. But one of the biggest things, too, is Tiger had his worst hole ever. He had a number. He had a ten on number twelve, which is a par three. So, yeah, three, three yeah. balls, three balls in the water, right? Yeah, completely just, just, you know, wasn't tiger-like, just crumbled. 
Pretty good. Yeah, I, I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't watch one hole of one swing, one hole of the Masters, which is unusual. I didn't honestly even know it started Thursday until I went to work and I heard a guy talking about, you know, his family having tickets and it was just, it's just been just like that in 2020. Totally yeah, had no clue. Because the Masters is one of those incredible events that I just, I'm all in on. And I think it's the most amazing place on earth, having been to Super Bowls and Final Fours and all that stuff. There's nothing better than going to Augusta National. And it was great to watch. It was really weird to see it with no fans uh, around. The course really looks a lot different. But obviously, the course didn't become much of a challenge because with the early soft conditions and then it, it drying up, they were able to go low and stay low. Um, and DJ mm. just ran away with it. So cool, but I want to see it in, in, in April. I'm ready for it to be back that first week in April. So hopefully nothing changes that and we can be back on course. You know, something interesting that we also talked about was, have you ever stayed at an Airbnb? Have you ever used an Airbnb? I never have. And I, I, we were talking about this little segment we were going to do because they're going public. And um, I mean, I must be, you know, just stubborn or out of the loop. You guys have stayed at Airbnbs all over the place. What was your favorite experience? Dude, the best Airbnb I ever stayed in was a total fluke. So I was going into New York the second week in December, which is like, you know, trying to get seats to the hardest concert ever because you can't find hotels that are reasonably priced. I found at the airport before getting on my flight, I was looking at Airbnbs. I thought it was my last option because flights, tickets, I'm sorry, hotel rooms were over $1,000 a night. I finally found a place in South Harlem at East 101st, which is right at the end of the number two train. And I was able to get into it. It was a four bedroom flat that I had all to myself, $250 a night. Crazy. I guess wow. Airbnb in New York is has been much more has been restricted a lot since then because you can't really buy a place because the guy that owned it you know lived in town and used it just for that didn't care what about anything other than it was South Harlem he probably stole the place and paying for it um, but probably got a great deal and then ultimately turned it into this Airbnb it was great we've had a, a couple good experiences with it but um, now that they're going public I just thought it was really interesting especially with what Ann and I do. I was looking as Airbnb was going through their SEC filing. One of the things that was pointed out was the new Olympic sponsorship that they did. And they said as a result of the COVID-19 that um, they realigned their organizational priorities to increase their focus on hosts and brand marketing. And they were reducing their performance marketing with their brand marketing efforts being very, very expensive. Um, it, it's not cost effective uh, or successful. Well, they just signed a huge deal with the 2020 Olympics. And it will be interesting to see how they go through with the Olympics in 2021. If those get, get pushed back, how does that impact? I mean, that's a massive investment for a company of this size. Um, but I, just for a sponsorship at that level to be incorporated as part of SEC filings, I found that really, really interesting. You know, I, I you don't see that very often, that big of an investment. I get it. It's a big part of the conversation. But for them to specifically call it out, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of been following the company. Again, I haven't stayed at 
an Airbnb before that dates me, makes me seem ancient. But uh, I've been following the story because obviously they gave, you know, and, and they've given hotels, overnight hotels a run for their money. And their, you know, their their results in the year ended, uh, I guess it would have been June 30, showed, I mean, they were down, revenue was down 70, almost 75%. But then when you look at their, you know, when you look at their revenue just in the third quarter, um, they were down only 18%. So they bounced back pretty quick. And I guess people are starting to travel again. And do you think people psychologically feel safer in a house versus in a hotel, I guess? Obviously, fewer people coming through. What? No, I don't think anybody feels safer. I mean, I think... I don't know. I would feel safer in a hotel. I think like looking at what brands like Hilton have done with Lysol and others, I feel more safe. Their biggest concern, Airbnb's biggest concern was that that level of investment with these events not happening or with the what they called geopolitical factors impacting the Olympics itself, they could get outperformed by other competitors who are looking at better, more effective brand marketing efforts. So they're saying, look, we thought the Olympics were going to be a great way for us to expand our global reach yeah. and brand impact. But all of these things considered, that money is going to be wasted and we may get beat out by our competitors if these events don't happen. Um, and mm -hmm. for that to be a part of the filing, that strategy, just I, again, I just find it fascinating that the marketing strategy came into the conversation. Um, and a deal the size of the Olympics uh, is obviously a big one. It's the biggest global investment you can probably make outside of maybe the World Cup. But I, again, um, I don't know how their business survives all of this other than the fact that people are going to need cash, right? So they'll put, continue to put their places up and eventually people will get back into it. But yeah, pretty interesting. All right. Speaking of that, let's jump into our next new segment. It's time for the adult dilemma. All right, Andres, another conversation I had with uh, another family, actually a couple, couple couples, we were talking about the housing market. And I've had a couple people now tell me that, you know, in the next 12 months, the housing market's going to right size. It won't be, you know, subprime bubble, catastrophic, but it'll be pretty big. So we're finally at the point with this, uh, with our house where we're happy with all of the, you know, set up, there's zero projects left. I mean, there's little things we can do here and there, but as far as a functionality and a need, you know, we've done the kitchen we've done the master bathroom. We've done the boys bathroom. We had to redo the driveway, the backyards, the way that we want it. We got our COVID fire pit, all these great things, but now I'm going to be bored. Cause like, what else am I going to do? And I always have to have some sort of project or I always want to be improving on the facility. So what if I sell the house, right? get rid of this beautiful place that we live in and then go rent for a couple of years, right? Until I can buy something really low. We want to stay in Smyrna. We love it here. But those are the kind of things that are constant dilemmas for me. And mm -hmm. I think we need to talk, let's have a, we'll just have a conversation about some of these things, uh, you know, week to week, but you love your place, new construction. You guys have done a lot of work there too. Have you ever thought about saying, how am I going to survive this next bubble burst, if you will, in the housing market? Or has it even crossed your mind? So this this weekend, we went to 
two of our friends' homes, and both of them have big backyards. In the case of one family, they have a finished base and a big giant front yard, and they've got, you know, a really cool outdoor sitting area. The other family I mentioned, we went fishing. They have literally have a, you know, lake in their backyard, a one acre lot that's flat, which is hard to find in Georgia, as you know. And we were just like, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, gosh, you know, there are houses out there with, you know, with big backyards and they seem like they might be in our price point. I don't know, man. When I think about the housing market, I, and I asked the kids, I mean, they're getting to that age, Brad, like, I guess if you could rent something nearby, you wouldn't have a ton of disruption, but it just becomes, I guess the conversation is more about the implications beyond the house. I mean, if you just wanted to say, sure, could we go rent a house? Yeah, I'm sure you could probably save money. Um, But if you're talking about got to find a house in a different school district and you're going to try to, you know, save money, you're going to have to probably move out of Smyrna because it's probably going to be more expensive. I do think interest rates are going to stay low for a while. So I do think you've got that wind at your back. But I think it all comes down to where, you know, where are you going to go? And there's a lot of stuff happening with our schools, as you know, here in Smyrna. It's a new middle school that's supposedly in the in the hopper. Uh, I know they're putting more money into the high schools. That's always a constant discussion for families, you know, in our area. We've talked about some of the investments we think may be um, needed in Smyrna to keep more families here in the area, which is, you know, I think we both would would like like to see. I also think Smyrna, where we live, is one of those hot markets. So even if there were to be some kind of correction, I, I don't know that it's there's not enough housing inventory to come on the market. And just looking at the medium and long term projections in terms of Atlanta and population growth, you saw a lot of this with just the election that just happened in Georgia. Just a lot of young families that want to be in the metro Atlanta area. And, you know, a lot of those younger families are saying, hey, I don't want to live in midtown Atlanta. I don't want to live, you know, down in the city in these smaller, denser neighborhoods. I want to be further out. I want to be on that, you know, half acre, that quarter acre. I want to have access to the green space uh, that Smyrna is known for. So I don't know. I, I do think you're right. I do think that there could be some type of a correction. But you're going to have to convince me that there's, you know, that there's somewhere else that, you know, these families are going to want to go. Because so long as Atlanta has huge employers like, you know, Delta and Coca-Cola and Home Depot, and, you know, we've talked about some of the layoffs uh, in our last show, I, I just think a lot of those, those families are going to want, you know, what your house has, that, you know, they're going to want the 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 space they're going to want the yard they're going to want all that that your neighborhood offers and I'd like to think we we have a neighborhood like that as well the one thing about where we live that I am I really love is we have a community in our neighborhood in the sense that there's you know 12 13 14 houses and um it almost kind of I want to say in a way forces socialization um that's the one thing about you know having you know, looking at some of these other areas that are attractive is you just wonder how much, I don't know, I think about that a lot, the community, the relationships, um, seeing the kids, and then just, you know, 
you're selling at the peak, but you're also having to buy at the peak if you're if you're buying and if you're renting. As long as you can find something that's comparable, I guess it's not a bad trade. Yeah, you know, it's a sacrifice. I mean, again, I, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine packing up all my stuff and <laughs> renting somewhere. But it does, uh, it has crossed my mind more times than one over the last uh, couple weeks. And, you know, I, I do love our house, but eventually we're going to want to figure out, you know, what's the next step. And we'd love to build a house one day and, you know, all that stuff factors in. And really for me, it just, those who know me know that I'm just mostly impatient with shit. So uh, I have to have something going on. Like I can't sit still and just be, be you know, happy with what's going on. I need to have something going on. Um, so more to talk about that. We should probably should. Maybe on the next episode of The Adult Dilemma. Talks with Brad. Um, no, it, it's it, it's an interesting topic, and I guarantee you there's families listening or, you know, that discuss it from time to time, right? I mean, we're at that age where it's, it's about, you know, housing, kids, school, all that, neighborhood. It's all top of mind. Yeah. Well, one of the next adult dilemmas is probably the biggest thing that will factor into this conversation for me, which is schools. So we'll dive into that next time on the adult dilemma. All right, let's jump into a parenting 101 with uh, the DJ Andres. Yeah, so this segment, I, I wanted to switch it up. This one came about, this is parenting style. So and I'll start with the books with Andres. Brad, I'm going to switch it up on you on the fly. We'll start with books with Andres, and then we're going to do parenting 101 because I think it sets it up better. So I just finished a book um, called The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. So this this book came out, it's a mouthful. This book came out of an article that was written in The Atlantic in 2015, and it basically the premise of the book is there's an entire generation of people in their, you know, now 20s and 30s that have um, these authors call them the I generation because they were the first generation that basically grew up with the iPhone. They went to college in around 2013 uh, and were in college starting in 2013 to, you know, obviously 2017. And these authors started noticing um, and wrote this article in The Atlantic in 2015 about. Uh, how this generation uh, was different than prior generations. And so you probably have heard the term, Brad, um, microaggression and safe spaces and trigger warnings and the call out culture and identity politics. So some of that stuff, you know, I have to be honest with you, until probably a couple of years ago, I hadn't even heard of some of those terms, right? I mean, but if, if you were on a college campus, in 2013, 2014, like there was a lot of discussion around things like, you know, safe spaces and trigger warnings and microaggressions. This book talks a lot about how that all came to be. Quickly give some some definitions on some of those so everybody knows kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, so so trigger warning would be in if you heard somebody say something that you found to be harmful, hurtful, offensive, you know, that could be potentially a trigger warning. Um, a safe space, if a college was going to have a speaker come and give a lecture, 
the college would set aside literally space on the campus where the students could go who were offended or going to be potentially um, impacted negatively by the remark that the speaker was going to give, the school would set up a quote-unquote safe space for those kids to meet and get emotional support. A microaggression uh, could be when a person feels a perceived insult or some type of confrontation verbally is perceived or taken by one person to be a quote-unquote aggressive comment. You know, they call it a microaggression. Maybe when somebody gets angry, you know, they, they have a, you know, they have a moment. And then we've, we've, we've talked about call-out culture or cancel culture. That's, that's gotten big here over the last three or four years. You know, effectively what that means is somebody goes on Twitter or somebody goes on Facebook and effectively publicly, quote-unquote, calls out the offender. And, and, and tries to generate interest and a following to, ba to basically shame that person. So, and then lastly is the, the whole idea of sort of safetyism, right? That's this idea of, you know, Johnny has a peanut allergy, so now everybody in the school can bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, to lunch, right? That's kind of an extreme example, but, but I think you get my point, Absolutely. right? So, so the book kind of breaks all those down. And I guess as a parent, you know, now of three kids, I'm long removed from the university environment, right? It was interesting to kind of hear the, you know, these guys lay this out. And so a lot of controversy um, followed this book. But one of the things that I took away and I wanted to talk about in the show was the whole idea of your parenting style. So they talk about some of that these authors talk about some of the things that as as parents they recommend that you can consider doing and some of the things they talked about were you know free range the idea that you just let your kids go out in the neighborhood and play you don't really follow them around you obviously are keeping an eye on them for safety reasons but you, you and i both know like when you go to a park nowadays like there's the kids who have free range and then there's the kids whose parents are basically hovering, right? Yeah. And then there's probably everything in between, right? And and obviously you and I grew up in a different time in the 80s. We were coming up. And I don't know about you, man, but in the summertime, I mean, we took off in the morning and we didn't come back till dinner. And absolutely. I mean, it, it's just how it was, right? Now, you know, it's just it's it's very different. And uh, it's a different set of of factors and issues. And certainly I didn't grow up in a big city like Atlanta. So, so I can't really compare apples, you know, and oranges, but, uh, as I got to reading and, and listening, I kept thinking about parenting styles because these guys break down. And what I thought I'd do tonight for you and our listeners is, is lay out four or five of these parenting styles and you and I could go back and forth and say, yep, definitely know somebody who parents that way. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. I like okay. it. So uh, we talked about free range. So free range parenting, as defined in this book, would be the parenting style where effectively you let your kids kind of have a lot of liberty. You give them a lot of space. You give them a lot of opportunity to kind of figure stuff out. You don't intervene when there's a disagreement every time. Certainly you let, you know, 
uh, you, you kind of let off the, the, the throttle, if you will, when it comes to, you know, safety and, and being on top of them. So do you know parents who adopt this free range style? Yeah, you know, I think um, a question, clarifying question would be, is there a limit to this? Or are these the folks that let their kids watch any movie that they want and aren't worried about what they're watching on YouTube? Like, especially nowadays, you know, we have families who are so free range that their kids are watching movies that I wouldn't let my kids watch. Right. right? And they're, you know, they're, they're using language. They're having more specific, friendly conversation that you would have with a buddy as opposed to a kid. So, yeah, I absolutely know uh, plenty of people who take the free range to an extreme. But I also think there's some really good positives to that free range and could yeah. see some and how we parent, too. Yeah, you know, I, I think your point about is there an is there another is there another version of free range actually there is um i had never heard this term before but it kind of makes sense there's there's what there's there's what the authors call dolphin parents dolphin parents think it's all about fun and play and exploration and relationships and you know having having sort of set aside downtime which you know there's probably some some merit in that um i don't think dolphin parents are defined as parents who are sort of irresponsible and just let their kids go nuts. But I think they embrace this idea that being kids should be fun, right? It should be about, um, it should be about play. It should be about relationships. It should be about exploration and all that type of stuff, which I think is a little different than free range, but, um, yeah, but they're kind of one in the same. Yeah. I think there's just such an extreme here. I just, for me, the biggest thing is, again, there it sounds like there's going to be positives and negatives to all of these. But these two in particular is you want your kids to have fun and play and explore, but there also needs to be some structure, right? right. And it doesn't sound like there's any of these that are the combination of all of the above or a balanced version of all of it. So I got I got structure coming for you, Brad. Just hold on. Right. Just hold on. I got a few more. I got a few more styles I'm going to break down with you tonight. OK, right. so you definitely have heard this term helicopter parenting. Oh, yeah. OK, so helicopter parenting, lawnmower parenting or well, no, helicopter. We'll say helicopters its own helicopter parents. I think we both know when we you, you know it when you see it. Right. Yes. I mean, all, all won't let their kid out of five feet. We put them on a leash if it was socially acceptable. Right. Yeah. They're they're all over it. Right. And now now there's a little bit of a subtle distinction here between the next one, the helicopter parent versus the lawnmower or snowplow parent. Very big difference. I'm I'm curious if if you've seen this on the sports field and on the on the ball field, the snowplow or the lawnmower parent is the parent who clears the way. Right. They, they, they cut the grass so that the kid has, you know, shorter grass, if you will, to run on, sort of an analogy. Or they clear the snow so that the kid has, you know, no snow they've got to work through in life. Have Do you see that in sports or do you see that in, you know, any parents that you guys interact with at school or in the neighborhood? I definitely see it and I'm guilty of it at times. I think all parents are because we just want what's good for our kids. But taken to an extreme i think it's the parent who does their kids homework it's the parent who you know buys their kid like 
the super fancy car. It's the parent who spends excessive amounts of money, you know, on the kids. Like, I don't know. I say things like cell phone, wardrobe, like all, all for the purposes of just making sure Junior's got the best of the best. Yeah. You know, I, um, I probably am a little like this sometimes. I don't, not, not a tremendous amount, but definitely when I hear you explain it, I can find instances where I know that I'm guilty of that, but it is probably the most prevalent in parents in sports nowadays. Right. Um, I can see that being the one that is closely tied, most closely tied to the sports parents, particularly as you get into travel ball, et cetera. Right. Now the next one uh, is, is, one that I think a lot of folks have heard of. There's actually a great book called Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother or something, but it's tiger parenting. Tiger parenting is, you know, basically, you know, your kids have to make the, these grades. They've got to play, you know, these instruments. They've got to practice, you know, and be on this strict schedule. And it's just all about, you know, they got to get into these schools. They've got to be, you know, uh, involved in these activities and it's extremely disciplined to use your earlier term you know highly structured very disciplined and there's a lot of people that parent that way you know particularly in certain cultures you know i am probably a combination of a free range parent and a tiger parent with a little snowplow factored in because <laughs> I am very much about discipline and doing things the right way, manners, not to the point of the stereotypes like you, you know, like, for example, Asian culture is probably most known for tiger parenting, right? I'll give you an example. The other day, Ben hit a baseball on a big field that one hopped to the fence. And he was trucking around first, and he gets into second, and he gets thrown out. Right? This is in practice. And my first reaction was I screamed out, know your speed, Ben. And all the other dads started laughing at me. They're like, dude, he just crushed that ball. And your first reaction is, hey, slow kid, don't get thrown out on the base path, know your limits. And they've given me crap about it ever since because I'm like, damn, they're right. Like I should have said, hey buddy, great hit. Yo, here's something to learn for next time. But instead I was like, no, you've got your dad's speed as opposed to your mom's speed, kid. Um, you know, your mom would have legged that out, no problem. Your younger brother is fast. You are unfortunately cursed with your dad's, uh, your dad's size and speed. So yeah. I, I felt so bad. I felt ever I felt bad ever since. Yeah, it was one of those one of those parenting fails that we talked about in some of our shows. I had one of those. Um, Frankie Frankie was in her third grade spelling bee last week, and on Saturday morning, you know, one of the few mornings that we dads get with our daughters or our kids, you know, before the day gets rolling, we go on a walk. Cause we were dog sitting and we're talking and I asked her how the spelling bee was. It was on Friday. And she said, you know, she kind of looked down, looked a little dejected. And I said, what happened? And she's like, I got knocked out after like the second round or something. And I, 
my initial reaction was just like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, I kind of had that same reaction that you just described. And instead of thinking about her feelings and just being there for her and talking through it in a very patient and understanding the the competitor in me came out, you know, and it was just like, what what can we not can we fix it? But let's get the list of the words and let's start practicing tomorrow, you know. Um, and so I kept thinking about this segment tonight, and the 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 list of parenting styles, and I guess I'd boil it down to, I think we all in certain ways, um, depending on the situation and the circumstances probably a little blend of of all of them yeah. because i i agree with you i'm there's certain times when i want the kids to be out in the neighborhood playing running free figuring out issues getting in their arguments you know not beating each other up hopefully but you know work it out yeah. and uh and then there's other situations where i think a parent's got to step in and advocate um and 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 you know help help not clear the way, but I think advocate and make sure that the opportunities are there. So anyway, I just thought it was kind of an interesting book. Um, again, The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. I really wanted to get Twist's opinion on this book because she was in college uh, in 2014, 15, et cetera, when, when this, a lot of this stuff was starting, you know, to really hit the quote unquote mainstream, but I thought it would be a good segment to talk through parenting styles. So thanks for, um, thanks for all your patience tonight in, uh, our dual segment books with Andres and parenting 101. I like it. Good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and wrap things up here. I want to get a millennial minute from producer twist. I have been rough on her. I want to give her the floor. For this week's Millennial Minute, I wanted to bring this topic up of mental health because obviously 2020 has taken a toll on everyone, especially a lot of my friends. So I wanted to share my experience, but obviously I'm not a therapist. So all these tips are just what have helped me in my 25 years of life. But I welcome everyone else's tips if you'll have any more. So I have four. My first one was that I think it is incredible if everyone takes time out of their day if it's one minute, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, just to yourself to reflect about the day, maybe get the app calm or just sit there and just think about life. But everyone should just take a minute to stop and reflect and just check in with yourself. My second one was I think it's incredible if everyone joins a community. For example, I found one through my church, but if, if even if you just have a hobby or try to do something weekly just so you can have a weekly like Brad's community of his children just to have like a hobby that you do every single Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever to be around people to talk about experiences just so you're not alone I know it's probably different for all of you guys who have families but for us I feel like you can definitely get very alone in your 20s if you don't have that third one I know everyone's life can be very crazy and hectic and you might think that you never have a time to think you can't even do your reflecting times, but you never know what someone else is going through. So if you ever just have the time when you're running an errand or you're going on a walk and you can call that one person you haven't talked to and just check in on them because you don't know if you could be making someone's day just by checking in on them and showing them that you care and that they're needed on this planet. I always try to call at least 
one person, not a day, but at least one person a week just to check in on them. And the fourth one is never hold back a compliment. And with that, never hold back a compliment to yourself and know that you are worthy of the same compliment that you can give because self-love is just as important as being nice to other people. There you have Anne's mental health four tips of the week. Very well said. And thanks for sharing. You know, I think sometimes we joke around, sometimes we kind of make light of certain situations, but it really is important to know that be kind. A friend of mine just said to me, he's like, during all of this, don't ever forget to talk it out, take a walk and be kind because you never know what anybody else is doing. So, Anne, I'm proud of you. It's good good to hear you're thinking that way. You know, even though we joke sometimes about your age or your generation, it's important that we even remember and pay attention because we can all learn regardless of age from each other. So pretty good stuff. All right. Well, ending here on a positive note, let's have a little bit of fun. The final four, the things that you're going to miss this holiday season. And what will you miss this holiday season? I am definitely going to miss going to my cousin's plantation. It's just so peaceful and nice and just being on the water and around family. It was always my favorite time of year. So it's sad that we can't all be together with my big family. Andres, how about you? Mine is uh, is is the family. I mean, my wife and I do the every other year. Um, so we, we've had the fortune of hosting the last few years and always have a house full of people. We usually see you, usually once or twice during the holiday season, I think. And I think we'll be doing more of that type of stuff because I don't think any of our family will be traveling out. So it's going to be a different a different holiday season. But um, yeah, just seeing the grandparents, you know, having them around the kids at this age, you know, they're so young and these are special years. Watching them wake up in the morning at Christmas. And that's probably going to be my biggest my biggest miss. You know, for me, we have, we're so fortunate to have both families close. My brother and sister-in-law are coming down, which will be fun. Um, so we'll have them down here. But uh, for me, the, the biggest thing is I've been doing this kind of healthier eating program. So I'm going to miss the really good food and drinking lots of whiskey and brown liquor. That's going to that be the diet, even on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, I just, you know, I mean, it's just cutting back a little bit. I think the way I've been looking at it is if I can spoil myself maybe one day during each time period, I'll be in good shape, but not to get completely off plan. So (laughs) we'll see. Good luck with that. But I think what we've all talked about and what's so great to kind of end up a very well-rounded show that was a little bit all over the place, the number four, the final for the fourth thing I think we all agree that we will miss around the holidays and hopefully you will get the chance to spend time with loved ones even though it's not your largest group but imagine the stories that could have been and most importantly get ready for a great 2021 because it will get better we will all be together again we will be able to go on many many girls weekends it's not that bad we all just need to take a little bit of a break remember how great we do have it and enjoy the holidays right on so next week we're coming at you turkey week we'll be back to talk with you guys and then we'll have some fun talking about our favorite thanksgiving feast items 
All right, Biz Dads. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for your patience with us as we you know, take some weeks off from time to time. We're excited to get your feedback, so please feel free to share and comment on more about what you'd like to hear. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Biz Dads, we're out.